I don't even know what this, uh, how is this even going to operate this way? But uh, she made it work, yeah. you know, good for her. Stuff that right in the wide mouth Gatorade and let her rip. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get like the 32 ounce Gatorades, so like the big ones. I always get one of those Woo! for every car trip. Yeah. And my wife's like, my wife's like looking at me like, oh, you know what this is for later. I don't want to, I don't want to stop. <laughs> Howdy, folks. This is Alex Sturgeon with the Hobbytown Hobbyplex here for the Hobbyplex Show podcast. I am back after a one-week hiatus. I was on vacation last week, uh, but we are back live for an actual real show. Um, here with me, as always, Will Brinton. And uh, we're here to talk about anything and everything Hobbyplex. Uh, there are a couple new releases that are out, that are, are announced anyways, um, that I wanted to talk about. And then um, I want to talk about our big race weekend. We had uh, Dirt Oval. We had a almost 80 entries yesterday and a good Friday night. And Will was there having fun. Yeah. What did we do Saturday? Did we race Saturday? Uh, no, I thought there was some carpet. Oh, around. it was Halloween Saturday. So we didn't race. I just, yeah, it's Halloween. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's totally lost my train of thought there. Um, and then maybe we'll talk about uh beach line a little bit. If you want to, you want to ask me some questions. Yeah, about. sure. I want to I want to go over what not to do when you qualify first, like I did. Ah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, how's it going? Oh, fine, fine. I only got to talk to you go. for a little bit on Friday. Yeah, yeah. My stuff was good. Uh, my four wheel was decent. I have some more parts for it sitting here. Are they the I'm J sure Concept stuff or the Associated stuff? I have every single J Concepts part on here that'll work with the new car. Nice. The only thing I didn't put on there, I got it, but I didn't put it on there was the battery strap because I didn't think that it fit as well as the associated one. Oh. And I don't know, I, I don't remember why I didn't think it fit very well. Um, I think that it didn't key in. We, I Oh, I was going to use it, but I've got a trim part of it. So I'm going to put it on there, but I got a trim part of it. So like the whole, my whole thing with this car is to get it as light as possible. Right. So um, I've been trimming and trimming uh, weight off this thing. Every single screw on this thing is titanium, um, except for the these screws in the steering rack and then the bottom ones for the posts. Uh, those are steel, and then the the uh, bottom shock mount. Or is it to get unsprung weight or is it just, no, just it's, overall lightness? It's just, to, it's just to make it lighter. So you've heard me talk about like swing weight right. and stuff like that before. I mean, having a heavier car makes it harder to change directions. Mm. So trying to get this thing as light as possible, I feel like is critical to making it work well. Mm. Um, at least you can isolate the suspension a little bit more. I mean, is the lighter your car gets, the less forgiving your suspension is. Like the tuning window is narrower. Okay. But I, I feel like, but because um, the the low C four wheel drive, everybody's mm-hmm. using a lightweight pack. They're putting those plastic diff gears in there. Mm-hmm. The the car itself, usually, if you if you if you grab somebody's car, like like Tom Rennernecks, is actually lighter than legal, so they got to add weight to it. And you watch really? that, yeah. And you if you watch it go around the track. 
it never bounces. Wherever it lands, hmm. it just goes plop and then keeps going. So I'm not. I wasn't sure if I wasn't sure if the weight had something to do with that. It probably has something to do with it. I feel like a lighter car lands a little better for yeah. me. I mean, my uh, my two wheel. I haven't I I haven't weighed either of these cars. Like I uh, my two wheel. The last time I weighed it, I think it weighs like fifteen seventy five somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, well, and I just run. I run the. This is the battery pack out of my two wheel. Just the sixty one hundred uh, Reedy pack, and then I have uh, a twenty gram weight under the battery, and then I just run the aluminum electronics weight, and that's it. I just have the. I don't have the servo weight underneath the servo. Yeah. But I have. I have the J Concepts. Uh, Servo mount, yeah. So it kind of like makes up for it. And I have the aluminum s- steering bell cranks, and then I have an aluminum front bulkhead. So it, for the for my two wheel, it's more a balance thing. Like I I use the carbon fiber uh, motor plate, and then I had the aluminum rear uh, transmission inserts for the diff in it, and I took them out because my car felt like it had more grip without them. Hmm. So it kind of goes back to that swing weight right. thing. So it's just like, you know, like you go to, you approach a corner and you start turning. Well, then this tries to drive through the front of the car and just swings out. You know, it's not that exaggerated, but you can feel it. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's where I think with these mid-motor cars, it's more critical to to try to get more centered balance out of the car. Because like my two-wheel, it doesn't matter how much grip there is. My car drives the same. It's just a little slower, like on lower grip. Yeah. It's just slower. And then on high grip, it feels like it, to me, it feels like it drives about the same. It just, it's more responsive. It just drives faster. Like I can put it where I want without waiting on it. But it still has that same predictability. Your car looked pretty good on Friday. Did it? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I was just running old tires from the summer series still. I haven't mounted up any new stuff for it. I was just burning off all that stuff. I ran gold. Emerson and I are going to race Friday. Yeah. We didn't, uh, we didn't race last Friday. Our stuff wasn't really ready for any sort of racing again, especially at our track. All we yeah. had, were, all we had were slicks. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I thought your car looked really good on Friday. Planted drove well. Yeah. I feel like I can take this setup anywhere and just run it and have it work. That's good. Is your setup similar to mine? Yeah. I mean, your, your car is rocking down in the yeah. Myrtle beach. So, yeah. When the one open, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I You want to talk about that now or you want to wait? <laughs> we can we can talk about it whenever you want. You you went to the race, I didn't. Howdy y'all and welcome to Tales on the Road with Alex Sturgeon. Alright, so real quick, I went to uh Beachline RC at Myrtle Beach for the Masters of Dirt. I wanted, I was looking for a race to go to that was actually going to happen because all these races were getting canceled. And they ended up with like 330-something entries. And I think that's because, uh, A, the place is really cool. It's a really nice place. Track's awesome. Uh, you know, it was built really well. The jumps worked. Um, they have a really nice setup. Uh, but also, uh, a lot of the races are getting canceled. So you kind of have to, if you want to go race at, at a bigger race, you gotta you got to find a place that's actually hosting it. And uh, this was one of those places, and I'm really glad I went. The way down there, uh, you know, we I did a YouTube kind of three-parter. It just happened to be three-parters just because of how it worked. But uh, the plan was to drive all day on Monday, or I'm sorry, 
all day Tuesday and then get there late Wednesday. And uh, we were making really good time. And then we ended up in a traffic jam uh, in between North and South Carolina because a, a semi rolled over and uh, exposed some like chemicals and stuff. And then because of where we were at, there was no really good way to get around it. So we sat there for like an hour and then Gretchen was getting you antsy. Didn't, you didn't get superpowers? You didn't get superpowers or anything from the chemical spill? No, it was too far away. I will say though yeah, that, that um, Emerson and I went, well, actually here, this is so stupid. This is the, this is, this is dumb. So we're sitting there on the interstate. We're stuck. Nobody's moving. Everybody's starting to get out of the cars. You ever, you ever watch, um, uh, uh, the movie like deep impact where everybody's trying to get out of the, yeah. and, and all these people are lined up and they're all getting out of their cars to look at the, the, the meteorites that's going overhead. And then eventually it slams into the thing. And then they're all surprised mm-hmm. when the tidal wave comes and kills them all. That's what it felt oh, like. Dude. Yeah. That's what it felt like on the interstate as, uh, as uh, people started getting out of their cars because what else, you know, you got to get out and stretch and you're not going to get run over. There's no worry about that. The other side of the interstate was closed. There was no cars coming at all except for the occasional, mm-hmm. you know, uh, firemen or whatever. Yeah. So I had to pee. I had to pee bad. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah. so I, I jumped over, uh, the interstate, the other side of the interstate went off and kind of walked down. The thing turned out to be a little bit larger of a ledge than I anticipated, but I still got down there deep enough so nobody could see my wiener when I was peeing. And, uh, yeah. so then I come back out and then I'm like, Emerson had to pee. So then I'm like, Emerson, just do what I did. Just go over there. He's like, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, Emerson, it, it, dude, I'm like, what is your problem? Just go over there and pee in the bush. And he's like, no, people will see me. And I'm like, dude, I just did it. It's fine. Nobody's going to care that everybody here is, is traveling just like we are. They're going to understand. Everybody's cool, man. Yeah. Everybody's cool. <laughs> Eventually down the road, a couple cars, they got out and did the same thing. They wanted over to a bush and they went pee. Emerson did not want to do that. Uh, then Gretchen had to pee. Now here's the thing. Yeah. We were all drinking uh, Mountain Dew or some or or water. Gretchen's real big on this crystal light water thing lately, and so she really had to pee. And uh, I told I told her I wouldn't te- <laughs> I wouldn't tell this story today, but I'm going to tell it, and because she doesn't listen to the podcast anyways. <laughs> um, yeah. My wife ended up peeing in a cup, and nice. it was just one cup. It was a lot. Like, are we talking? It was like a, a Dixie. It cup? was a, it was like a um it was like a Seven Eleven Big Gulp type cup, okay. Oh, nice. And it <laughs> was a <laughs> it was a lot of pee. I was shocked by how much pee was in this cup, and the yeah. worst thing is, is she wanted to keep the cup, not with pee in it, but just to keep it. So here I am. <laughs> so I'm outside. I'm outside of this car, and I'm and we got tinted windows, so nobody can see inside of it for the most part. I think, mm-hmm. who knows? Uh. But I'm standing there and then she gets out of the car and then within, instead of like walking really far away to dump the pee out, she just like spooshes it in the center lane divider, maybe eight feet from our car. And I was like, babe, I'm like, come on. I mean, even if people didn't see you pee in the car, they're going to wonder what the hell is this really dark yellow liquid being like thrown out of this cup Mm -hmm. in the middle of the lane divider. Plus... I didn't want the pee smell anywhere, right? And so I didn't get in the car for like 20 minutes. I was like, I'm not sitting in this car with you just peed in a cup in the car. There's no way I'm sitting in this car. So then Emerson mm-hmm. got the idea that he was going to pee in the cup. So both my wife and my son peed in the cup. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then again, Emerson went to get rid of it and it was right, like right next to our car. And I'm like, 
damn it, you guys, like stop doing this near the car. This is gross. I don't want this going on. So we're there for like an hour. I finally decide, you know what? Let's take our chances. Let's let's. Uh, people were driving the wrong way down the interstate on the shoulder because there, uh-huh. there was an off there was an off ramp like uh, I don't know fifty yards behind us. There was one road that was paralleling this interstate, and I told Babe, I'm like my wife, I'm like, you realize that everybody coming on the interstate is going to be on this road, so we're not really going to get anywhere fast, anyways. Well, we get over there, and sure enough it's a standstill. Nobody's going anywhere. Okay. I thought it was going to at least move a little bit, but it wasn't. And then it started to get even weirder. We maybe moved like half a mile in about an hour and a half. Yeah. And it was excruciating. And turns out that this is such a twisty, windy road through mountainous terrain going up and down that a semi truck uh, their trailer overhung over the road and then caught the ledge and then flipped this truck over. So you had a semi-truck accident on the interstate. And then at the same time, you had a semi-truck overturned blocking the only detour to get around the interstate wreck. And so, oh wow, yeah. So this thing took a matter of about four and a half hours. And there's two crappy things that happened from this. One was right like literally as we were passing this 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 off ramp uh on the interstate on our way before we slowed down i'm like all right we need to get something to eat next next stop we'll 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 find something to eat so we were starving so four and a half hours we were just hungry right so we were hangry very hangry there's three people in this car that were together for like 12 hours that day that are not normally used to being 12 hours together the whole time. Did you, have a Donner, did you have a Donner party? Yeah, scenario? no, not really. <laughs> but but then but then not only did Gretchen pee in the cup once, she had to do it again on the other road. And it was yeah. and and I couldn't get out of the car because we were kind of moving, but not really. And so then mm-hmm. so then Emerson and I both had to be in the car while Gretchen had a blanket over her trying to pee in this cup in the in the front seat. It was awful. Yeah. It was one of the worst things uh, about this trip. And uh, huh. a great story to tell on the podcast for everybody to hear. It was great. I I peed in a Gatorade bottle one time fairly recently. Yeah, but we have wieners somewhere. Yeah, no, that's why you get the Gatorade bottle. Yeah, I. I <laughs> yeah. You have the wide mouth bottle. Because I was I was looking at her like, are you serious? Like, how is this even going to work? I don't mm-hmm. even know what this. Uh, I don't, how is this even going to operate this way? But uh, she made it work. Yeah. You know, good for her. Yeah. Hey, stuff stuff that right in the wide mouth Gatorade and let her rip. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get like the thirty two ounce Gatorades, so like the big ones. I always get one of those Woo! for every car trip. Yeah. And my wife's like, my wife's like looking at me, like, oh, you know what this is for later. I don't want to. I don't want to stop. <laughs> I've done it while I was driving before. Yeah. That's talent. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Anyways, so we got there late Wednesday, and then uh, Thursday uh, they had four hours practice. I was I was ready to go, man. I was like one of the first ones on the track. Um, the cool thing about down there, you know, how our track, you kind of like you heat your tires up, you go drive. It gets a little bit easier to drive with new tires on, maybe like three or four minutes in. Then you go back to your pits and you kind of do the same thing. It's awesome and all that stuff. Then usually by the second or third, maybe even third time you're running on, you know, your tires. Um, mm-hmm. it's go time. You can actually drive hard and all that stuff. Yeah. It took like one minute down there with silvers, hmm. J concept silver yeah. compound. It was like, 
two or three laps, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I can do this. Here we go. So that was good. Nice. Uh, the tire wear picked up a lot. So, um, you know, eventually we went to slicks. Uh, the pros kind of kind of were on slicks by noon on Friday, and it was practice mm-hmm. from um, from 10 to 8, I think is what it was. And uh, I, I got my tires pretty much slicked up by the end on Friday. And then uh, qualifying came. I TQ'd 40-plus mod. I had two good runs. My first run didn't wreck at all, and everybody else did. And then the second run, um, I did wreck, but uh, I, I put down some pretty good laps and ended up kind of getting lucky because a couple of the other guys like Brent and uh, Alan kind of kind of had some bobbles late. So that so I TQ'd. It was two out of three. So I TQ'd 40-plus, 13.5 wheeler. Uh, so there's like 50 entries in that class. And, um, that was the one class that I was like, uh, with 40 plus mod and open mod, I kind of went down there in this mindset that I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to put a lot of pressure on myself or take everything too seriously. But then I also wanted to race a class with my four wheel drive car that was a lot more competitive. And so that's why I ran 13.5 four wheel drive. Plus I have Kyle Gannon's 13.5 motor. So I know it's really fast. Qualified fifth in the first round. And I just went out there and just didn't wreck, kind of like it did in 40 plus. And I was like, wow, okay, cool. And then the second round, I was uh, 12th or 14th. I think I got a 14 that round. I did crash. And so it came down to the last round, and I think I got a nine again because I wasn't very fast. I uh, uh, So they had this tire rule, and it was kind of, I wasn't sure how far you could go with your tires. Could you sand down your tires or not? And so I, I wasn't sanding down my 13.5 handout tires. Another reason I didn't want to buy another set of them, but um, my second round, I think I got a 14 because I left a bunch of tread on them. And I started looking at everybody's tires, and they they were kind of sanded down, not all the way to slicks, but just definitely sanded down, especially down the middle. And I talked to Ryan Harris about it, and he's like, yeah, you definitely need to scrub some of the middle off. That's where the traction is. I'm like, okay, fine. So I went and I did that. And then I was definitely faster for the third round. Probably could have qualified even higher, but I wrecked, I think, once or two, maybe just once or something. Anyways, Jason Angle, Butters, and I tied. And it's not my race, so I'm not, I'm I'm never going to go up to somebody and say, hey, you should do it this way, you should do it this way. But I got the tiebreaker. I was eighth qualifier in A main. They took the top eight. But they were using the Ithmar way of tiebreakers, not the Roar way of tiebreakers. So the IFMAR tiebreaker is the higher score gets the spot. So I had a five that first round, and Jason, I think his top was an eight or something like that, maybe a six. So in that way, uh, I got the tiebreaker. But his combined fast, his combined times of the two rounds, which is the way that Roar does it, should have put him eighth. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got yeah. away with one there, I guess. <laughs> It just depends on the rules they use. They chose to use that tiebreaker. Yeah. So, I mean, yep. You know, I'm sure it was consistent across every class. As long as they do the the same thing every time, I don't care what the tiebreaker right. is. Yeah. You know, just don't do it different for Alex Surgeon and Jason, and then yeah, you know, use uh, Roar for this guy because it benefits him better. Yeah, and exactly. I'm not saying that would ever happen down there or anything. I've never no, been there. Not but, at all. Um, definitely, the consistency is important. So just do the same thing every time. You'll yeah. Find. I use Roar for everything that we do because I feel the Roar is the national standard. So that's why I use yeah, the Roar tiebreakers. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyways, uh, 
So then the main day came around, and here's the deal. I was sitting in my pits, and this is where things start to went off the rails for me. Uh, by the mm-hmm. way, Emerson qualified third in open. Nice. Yeah, I was pretty proud of him. But this is where things started went off the rails. I'm sitting in my pits. I'm getting everything ready, and uh, I'm done for the day. I'm trying to clean up, and I start to look at my tires on my tool drive buggy, and I can see these little tears in the silvers. And I'm thinking, oh, crap, my tires are starting to come apart. I've, I've, I've worn them down too far. I better do something about it. And so the last round of qualifying for 40 plus, I went out on a different set of tires than I had been using all day. And it wasn't the same. My car wasn't the same. And I crashed a lot. And I think I ended up fourth that round. It didn't matter. So I wasn't really that worried about it. But I was like, holy crap. Okay, well, let's make some new tires. So I mounted up a silver's front and rear. And I went to go uh, grind them in. And uh, everybody was out of, of purple Scotch-Brite, which is what we were using. And I had in my in my stuff i had a thing of emery cloth and i was like well i think this will work and so i used that instead and it achieved the same effect nice looking slicks i thought they looked great and i'm like okay they have practice from seven to eight tomorrow morning sunday morning i got to get out here and scrub these tires in so i left the i left the kids at the hotel and i i hustled over to the track because emerson was like my car's fine leave my car alone so i'm like okay whatever you're the boss uh, so I went to go scrub my tires in and the first run on those tires, I mean, it was bad. Right. But I was like, I was talking it up to new tires. I, I ran three more times. They had these little three minute sessions and not a lot of people were practicing that morning. So I got, I actually got to run a lot and they got better as they went along. And then they had this a main practice and my 40 plus a main practice, I was crashing everywhere and I'm like, what is going on? And so then I wasn't going to, but I'm like, well, I'm going to use my two wheel drive open a main practice just to, I'm going to resauce these real fast. And I went out there and then it felt fine. I thought, right? So the main came and my car was not the same. And mm. I, uh, I overjumped. I made the triple at the start, but I overjumped the next one and I ended up out in right next to the wall and there was some loose stuff there and I skidded out, got past, uh, for third. So Brent is now in front and he's gone after that. Because I knew I, and I was like, okay, well, I got to keep Brent behind me so that he gets pressure from Allen in the first couple laps so that I can try to get away. And then the second corner, I'm, I'm already in third. And I'm like, well, there goes that plan. And uh, I was staying there and staying there and staying there. And I just was not comfortable with my car. And I ended up crashing a lot more in that 10-minute main. And eventually, I started just like letting people go because I wasn't sure where I was or who, who I was racing with. And uh, I ended up eighth in the main after all that. Yeah. So with that one, you and I talked about this. I, I I called you the other day and asked you about this and I'm like, or no, we talked about it on Friday, didn't we? Yeah. I think changing what I made the slicks with may have messed up those tires, right? Like cap them. Well, that's what I was thinking. Cause it's like, you need, you need some like a, what I've found with grinding silvers you need something that's one gonna like pull heat away from the tire. That's why I use that big brilloey uh, Scotch Brite pad because mm-hmm. it's a big surface area. Um, it's gonna kind of pull heat away, and you know, you know, whatever. Like I've done it before, like using Scotch Brite at work or not Scotch Brite, um, 
emery cloth at work to polish something or uh i've done it on tires before where you just have a piece of it like on your thumb it'll get so hot that it'll like burn your thumb like out you know it's hot yeah and the scotch bright doesn't do that because it's pulling the heat out you know or at least to an extent so when you get one you get the effect of, of the excess heat and two um that excess heat kind of like smears the the tire so like a tire like if you looked at it underneath a microscope after you break it in it has a whole bunch of like little pores on it and like uh if you uh that's what like you know the sauce soaks into and whatever if you cap that or you smear it you know or you tear it or heat it up you know the silver compounds really like susceptible to that it's easy to do it yeah so you want something that's just going to remove material and not get the tire hot i mean super hot while you're yeah uh, grinding it or and I while did, you're I, uh, scuffing it i did i do remember a lot more smoke on those set of tires specifically than i had all week yeah and like when i grind silvers like i'll make if i make a set of slicks out of silver mm-hmm. i put my drill and that's one reason why I wanted the drill that I got, like that McKee, or Milwaukee one, is because it'll run like super slow. Yeah. Like it's just like grainy low and in, in low gear. Yep. And you can just hold it on there, and you're you're doing like, I don't know, twenty to fifty RPM. It's not a lot. Yeah. And uh, uh, just let and the material just start like falling off, but you're it's removing it or it's cutting it. It's not like heating it up and like melting it off. Yeah. Cause I remember the first set of silvers I ever ground. I screwed. I, I was like, Oh, those are going to be bad. Like I just scuffed them like one time, like I normally would have uh, clay and it's just like instant, like melt, like mm-hmm. balls of rubber everywhere. See, and I did that in 2016 too. To it. I, this is before I was sponsored by J concepts. I could run them whatever I wanted to. And I had a set of proline tires, uh, um, that I was trying to break in and I just straight up ruined them because I got them. I mm-hmm. basically melted the rubber instead of grinding the rubber off. And I, yeah. I remember going, oh, damn it. I don't even know if these are going to be any good. And they definitely weren't like I ruined them. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, it's easy to cap them. So live and learn, I guess I felt pretty, I still feel pretty bad about that one. Cause I, I feel like, um, I feel like I let one go. I should have just left the tires on that I had. It would have been fine, I think. Yeah. So in uh in thirteen five four wheel drive, so I got that eighth spot. Two funny things. Well, two things happened. So I got that eighth spot. Uh they didn't do driver announcements for forty plus or for open mod. Uh, but they did for thirteen five. I forgot what class I was running. So in the car I put B six point two. <laughs> instead of 20 <laughs> instead of 22 x4 <laughs> and he and the guy announced it like i'm in four-wheel drive why would you announce b6 point you would look if i was the announcer guy i would have looked at that and go huh no you don't yeah you know like but he, that's what he but he wrote it was like uh anchorman that's he just wrote what was on the sheet anyways uh so we started the race and uh uh, it was a little rough at first. I, I felt like um, I was an eight spot, minding my own business, and uh, had an opportunity to move up a few spots. And I got kind of, kind of driven down onto. You can see it on the video. Mm-hmm. 
And because yeah. I was more or less ha just happy to be there, I was like, whatever, man, you want to go, go, you know? And then the next thing you know, everybody starts wrecking in front of me and I find myself in fifth place with like a, yeah. a minute, a minute down. I'm in fifth and I'm, I'm again, minding my own business. My car felt really good. I was, I remember up in the driver's stand going, dude, you're in fifth place. You know, you get an award for fifth place. Like, just stay here. This is great. And then, uh, I got, <laughs> I got kind of close to fourth and third. And then the next lap I traction rolled in a weird spot and the marshal had his back turned. So it took a little bit longer, I think, than it, than it probably could have, but it, whatever it, it, I crashed. So it doesn't matter. And yeah. I got caught. Ryan Harris caught me. He and I were racing for fifth for a little while. Then I wrecked again and Patrick Rossiter caught me. And then he and I were racing for sixth and with a minute left to go, I'm up on the driver's stand and I, and I start to feel my car go soft and I'm like, uh Oh, Oh no. And I wanted to say you're one lucky dude, Patrick, but I wasn't sure what kind of mood he was in, you know, cause I only talked to him a little bit earlier in the week. I never really talked to him, uh, after that, but, uh, but my battery died because yeah, well, here's the deal. They had 10 minute mains. Okay. And my four wheel drive battery is a 3600, uh, pro tech. Mm -hmm. And before this race, okay. I looked at my truck and it, there's a 4,900 battery sitting in there. I, we didn't run my truck. There's a brand new 4,900 sitting in this thing. And I'm like, I should probably put that in for this. I'm not sure if I can make 10 minutes, but yeah. I'm like, but I'm, but then I was like, that's a way heavier battery though. Like it'll change how your car handles. Maybe you're on high grip though. I well, I know. And so then I'm like, nah, you'll be fine. I'm like, you practice longer than 10 minutes. It'll it won't be a problem. So then I just rolled around really slow and I went from battling for six to dead last on the last lap. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's a bummer. Did uh um did you turn your low voltage cutoff off? I did. I always do that. Really? Yeah. That's yeah, that's I why that's why off. I was able to keep that's why I was able to keep going. Yeah. I turn all the thermal off too. Yep, me too. <laughs> thermal, all that, all that stuff off. I learned that at the Reedy race a long <laughs> yeah, time ago. So to be honest with you, that one didn't bother me. That was the first main that was up and it didn't bother me one bit because I was like, well, I'm just happy to be here. Like I, 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 I thought I could make the a main in 13 five. I felt like mm -hmm. I still have that ability and I did. So I wasn't worried about it. And then the 40 plus main came after that two races later and that went, went down the tubes and I'm like, Oh my God, I better not screw up open. Like this is going to be bad. And so I went back and I changed out my tires. I put my old tires on my tool drive because this race was two races after 40 plus. And I went up there and uh, Emerson and I were standing right next to each other on the, on the driver's stand. And, and we're, I was like, good job, dude. And he's like, good job. He's like, I'm coming to get you. And I'm like, okay, dude, do it. Come get me. And uh, uh, first time over the triple, I didn't triple it. Neither did anybody else behind me. So that was good. But every lap after that, I did. But I ended up, I if I went from the horrible dumpster fire that was the 40 plus main of crashing everywhere to not crashing one time in this, in this 10 minute open A main. Yeah. And then Emerson qualified third and he crashed a lot and his body ended up coming off like two minutes into oh. it. And so he had to get his body put back on and he still managed to get fifth. <laughs> so I feel like he could have done better if, if that hadn't happened. Yeah. 
But here's the deal, and you tell me, um, when I saw that J Concepts INS races had now an open two wheel drive mod class and a, and like mm-hmm. a pro class, I, I became pretty happy. I'm like, I'm gonna race open. I don't the the pressure of pro. I'm 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 kind of over it. You know, I don't I don't really need it, and I would just love to race open. And I saw like um who was the kid down there in St Louis that's really fast, but he doesn't really have like a sponsor. Oh, Is it uh, uh, or I can't remember his I name. I can't remember his name either. But anyways, so he wins the open class down there at the INS last year, and I'm like, oh, we can do that. I'm like, I'm totally doing that. So I I entered open at this race for two reasons. I didn't want to run pro. I wanted to race with my son, Emerson. Mm-hmm hasn't raced a lot this year. This has been one of those times where he, he still comes to the track and races, but not in a way that we were doing a couple of years ago. He's in other stuff. So we both wanted to be in the same class. He didn't want to run pro. So I'm like, well, I'll run open. Well, the first qualifier of open, it was pretty apparent that I, I was probably in the wrong class. And I say that because the closing rate on some of these guys was so fast that I got wrecked a lot in the first qualifier and I don't blame these. Yeah. I don't blame anybody in the heat at all. And I, I should have done a better job of driving around some of these guys. But I was like, after the, that race, I was like, Holy crap. Like I didn't realize that it was going to be that way. And I started thinking that maybe I should change my class to pro. And I talked to Brent Densford about it and he's like, no, dude, don't, nobody cares. Race with your son, have some fun. And I'm like, okay, so they did a resort and then I got better. So so then we were all a little bit closer and I didn't TQ the first round of open, mm-hmm. but I TQ'd the second and third round of open. And those times would have probably put me in the B main of pro. Mm-hmm. So I kind of felt weird. I felt like maybe I was, maybe I was a sandbagger a little bit, I guess. But the final main, my, my stuff or my head, I don't know what was what, but wasn't working right, and I didn't win by that much. So maybe I wasn't in the end. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't sure. Know. No, I... Uh, I didn't feel good about it. Let's put it that way. I won, but I didn't feel that great about it. Yeah. I was, And I was a little butthurt that Emerson didn't finish better either, because I think he could have. Right. So that's all. So yeah. one out of three. At least I didn't screw that one up, though. If I would have screwed that one up and fin- not finished first, it would have been a long drive home. Yeah, but I bet. It already was a long drive home, but whatever. Okay, so there you go. That's the Beachline RC wrap-up. One funny story, uh, inside view on how I finished. Um, I had fun. I liked the place. Uh, thanks to everybody on YouTube that watched my videos. Uh, they got a lot, they've got a lot of views so far. So that's really good too. Yeah. So you want to listen to pivot lending real fast? I'm gonna go get something to drink. Yeah, that's fine. That's All right. Good. Then I we'll, was thinking it'd be a good time for it. Then we'll get into, uh, we'll get into some new products and then we'll get into the hobby plex racing. So. And now a word from our sponsors. Yeah. This is a pivot lending update with Dave Olson and Don Zoller. Get some. This is uh, David Olson with Pivot Lending, and with me is Don Zoller. Don is in charge of our Nebraska Iowa production, 
And uh, we're just taking a minute to talk about break-even analysis on refinancing and exactly what you want to be prepared for so you're not getting fooled by just a drop in rates because there's more to that calculation than seeing the price tag of the of an interest rate note drop. So let's just say you're currently at four and a half and it goes down to three seven five and you're thinking this might be a good time for me to make a move from the 30 year that we just closed on the purchase into another 30 year. So I'm gonna let Don talk about the details of that and also invite anybody listening to contact Don. And if you have your most recent closing disclosure and also a mortgage statement, feel free to, again, contact Don, send that email, that information over to Don, make sure that you have it encrypted. And we can figure out kind of what it takes for you to break even on any sort of refinance. And at that point, do you think that you will be in that house for more than three years or five years or six years, whatever that break even point is? And then following up with the additional months that you would save as an aggregate in that savings bucket. Don? So when I um, visit with someone who's interested in lowering their interest rate, first thing I do is have about a 10 or 15 minute conversation with them, go over their current mortgage, what they owe, what their interest rate is, how long they've been in it. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of talk through what the rates are now, what an interest rate would be for them based on credit history and that kind of thing. And then run some calculations to kind of let them know how many years it's actually going to take them based on what they're saving monthly to recoup the cost of doing the refinance. Obviously you've got closing costs and you've got to set up a new escrow account, that kind of thing when you do a refinance. So we want to make sure that you're not putting money out just to get a lower interest rate if it's not going to benefit you in the long run. Mm -hmm. If I can't see them recouping their costs in two to three, four years, maybe anything longer than that, you know, a lot can happen in four or five years. So it doesn't always make sense to do the refinance just to get a lower rate. If you're not planning on staying in the house very long, or, you know, you're possibly going to be looking at a job transfer, that kind of thing. That's a really good point because in our servicing portfolio, I think the average turn time, I think it's five years now or four and a half. It used to be seven. Mm-hmm. So we, we could count on a mortgage being on the books for seven years. And again, that's kind of why the 10-year bond is something we look at for a 30-year mortgage because the amount of time it's actually going to be on the books is, we used to think seven to 10 years, but now it's more like five, five years. To yeah, five to seven. Mm-hmm. So you're you're exactly right. The closing disclosure tells us, let's just say, total closing costs are two grand. Most of the time, it's a little higher than that if your escrow or uh, funds to close is a little bit higher than that. But if you really want to break even analysis, you have to not only take in what your future costs are going to be, like on the closing statement, but you have to go back and prorate your last closing statement. So, like if you refinanced a year ago and that refinance cost you three grand. You need to prorate out your 12 months based on that three grand. And let's just say there were still $2,000 left over mm-hmm. out of that. So you almost have to take that two grand plus the new two grand, or 2,500, right. and call it 4,500. And normally we don't see back to back refis so close because of COVID and all of that. So we traditionally just look at the closing disclosure and, and make the analysis on that. But I think everybody kind of needs to think about that. If you purchased a home in January, or there was even a period 
in March, it was like three weeks where the rates were 5%. Higher than 5%. Yeah, it was nuts. So they they came out with the new servicing rules and the investors. Yeah, and everybody just backed out of the market. Mm -hmm. So if you purchased a home in in that 30-day window, chances are you've got a 5% rate. But you have to take a look at the aggregate of the total, the systemic costs within you know the last year, three years, whatever mm-hmm. that break-even amount is going to be. So. Right, and when the equity in homes is growing so fast right now, you know we try and roll those yeah. closing costs into your loan. Yep. But if you're refinancing every year, every two years, and right. then in five years you get ready to sell your house, and you ask yourself. Yeah. Why don't I have any equity? Well, because you've used it all to refinance three times. Right. So that doesn't. It's like trading up cars. Right. (laughs) Right. It's like you're constantly upside down. (laughs) So if you're out there and you've refinanced or purchased within the last 12, 24 months, just make sure that you have your previous closing disclosure and your current mortgage statement that uh, you can provide to Don so that we can take a look at your entire picture just to make sure that you know how long it's going to take for you to break even because. If you're just going off what the current proposal would be to refinance, which is probably what 80% of our industry does, it's a little misleading. And so that might tell you it's going to take you three years to break even. But when Don actually does the total math and takes in account of all closing costs prorated on the previous closing disclosure, it may be a five-year break even. So, and which is still okay. But in, to Don's point earlier. A lot of things can happen on that fourth, fifth, sixth year, and we see that in our servicing portfolio. So just the benefit may not be there as much mm-hmm. as it might be in that third year. Because right. if you break even in three years and you have 24 months of that interest savings, that can be pretty significant based on your loan amount. So if you're looking to possibly do a refinance, see if we can get your interest rate a little bit lower, we want that free analysis on how it's going to benefit you, if it's going to benefit you feel free to give me a call, 402-715-9082, and we can go through your current mortgage statement, current closing disclosure that you did for your last mortgage, and see if that's going to benefit you to refinance. David Olson, NMLS 16099. Don Zoller, NMLS 277589. Pivot Lending, NMLS 1099995. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. Dude, we uh we got a lot to cover here in this last segment. I'm going to open up my drink. I've been waiting for this for a little while. Yeah, have your drink. This is going to be a classic uh, regular kickstart drink. Hey, pass me a kickstart. I actually had in my hands... A Starbucks uh, white chocolate, <laughs> but they were three dollars and forty nine cents for one. And I'm like, eh, yeah, eh, aren't kickstarts know. like two dollar or like they pay you to take them or something? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What's new? So hey, real quick, uh, we got two new products that I'd like to talk about really fast uh, that we're going to get in at the Hobbyplex. Uh, the first one is the uh, the B. I think it's called the B seventeen Betty. It's an SC24 from Axial, and it's a limited edition version of it. And uh, we got a whole bunch of them on order. So hopefully we're going to have, like, the most out of any place in the country, maybe. 
Uh, but we're going to get a lot of them. And I think they're only going to be like a hundred they're going to be cheap, like 119 bucks or 124 99, something like that. I think is what they are. Those, those SC 24s. I mean, they're really easy, fun, uh, little mini rock crawlers. And I'm, I actually have a place where I think I'm going to build a mini rock crawler area and it's going to be underneath the driver's stand in the dirt track. Hmm. Be cool. Yeah. Might be a good spot for it. Uh, cause we certainly don't have any room anywhere else. And then uh, finally, uh, the Losi Mini B. Did you see that? I did see that. That looks pretty cool, dude. I th- I think I would have been, yeah, I would have been all over that when I was uh, fifteen or however old I was when eighteen scale was popular. I think Associated is going to have to get back in the game, maybe for minis. I hope so. That'd if, be sweet. If our turn, I, I think that I feel like mini racing or micro racing is important. Because uh, you can do it in a smaller area, and that would make uh, that would give smaller hobby shops the opportunity to have a track. Like, look yeah. at how popular Minizy racing is. Yeah, you know, just because you know it's cheaper to build a track, and guess what? That gets people into racing the bigger stuff too. Yeah, I think our our carpet off road has been really fun with the mini stuff. Oh yeah, so no, I'm it was bad to the bone back in the day. Uh, we we might have one early to do a unboxing on this week. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think so. I it's supposed to be pretty soon. So keep your eye out there, uh, YouTubers. So uh, those two uh, pretty big releases that came out from from Horizon last week. Um, who knows what's going to be announced this week? But uh, I don't know. Thought that was pretty cool. Wanted to get a little bit of talk about them on the show. Then uh, now I want to get into some race results because uh, we had a pretty good weekend of racing. The winner is... Just real quick, Friday night was uh, the night before Halloween. Um, I wasn't expecting a great turnout. We still had 40 entries, though, and it was great. And we had, like, wh- how many eight scales were there? Like, eight? Nine? Yeah, there's a lot. So that's good, because Friday nights have, have traditionally been our eight-scale night. You know, it used to be we'd mm-hmm. run Nitro, but but then it became apparent that that was, unfortunately, keeping um, the newer element you know, plex plexers from, from showing up cause they didn't want their kids to be around all that nitro smoke. So, so it kind of turned into an electric, you know, eight scale night. But honestly, like electric eight scale on Friday night is perfect because the amount of people there is and like, you don't have to find a pit guy. Yes. You know, like the eight guys that are going to run it can run it and they can run eight scale. You know, it works out fine. I think. So we had we had uh, uh, two heats of plex spec again. These are names I'm not familiar with at all. That's that's the other thing too. Like because I don't run Fridays, I don't really interact with some of these guys. Um, it looked like Ariana Smith, uh, Tom Tommy's uh, daughter, won the B main of plex spec. That's pretty cool. So that's seven. It looks like there was 15 plexers. That ain't too bad. No, that's kind of a normal a normal night. Uh, the plex spec A main went to Mike. Uh, Gable House? Yeah, my buddy. Oh, that's your buddy. That's your buddy Mike. Well, yeah. that's good. Yeah. He came and bought all the stuff. That's right. All in, got well, all I know, stuff from I, the plex. I know his last name now because I didn't know his last name. I just knew him as Will's friend, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, Mikey Gable House. Wow, he qualified sixth and finished first. Yeah, his dad was my uh, machine tool instructor when I went through trade school. Is that at Milford? No, I went to Lincoln. I was one of the last uh, ones they had through Lincoln. Oh. And his dad retired as department chair, and that's when they moved the program. Oh. 
Uh, this is my understanding. Yeah. Steve Wall finished second in Plex. Uh, Joshua Rothfuss finished third. Anthony Wickert was fourth. Uh, Jesse Ellathorpe was fifth. And then the Quintanas, they've been back racing. Uh, Diego and Mario. And Diego's tall now. I remember when he was short. Little kid. Now he's, yeah, now he's hit him. that hit that growth spurt. And now he's taller than his dad even. So that's pretty cool. Then in mod two wheel drive, you took it by it looks like twenty one seconds over Tommy. Mm-hmm. What happened to Mitchell? He was in second when I was when I got done watching your race. I don't know. Did he crash a lot? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. All right. uh, I like I passed him in a qualifier, and he just like ran into me like three times. <laughs> and like the last time, like uh, his car like like was kind of in front of me, and I just like pushed him all the way up against the uh, pipe and kept going just so he'd stop. Like, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, so Tommy finished second, and then Mitchell was third, and it looks like Aiden Olson didn't race that one. Then the e-buggy class, we had, again, a big turnout. There was seven, seven eight scales. And I believe Mitchell and Ashton had a pretty good race going. I think Ashton kept crashing, though. I was watch. I, I was tr- uh, trying to get some video of something. Or no, I was over there fixing that wall. That's right. But I was kind of watching the race. And I think Ashton had the faster car, but uh, Mitchell uh, in eight scale didn't crash a lot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Bryson, Bryson Paul got third. Ronnie Went was fourth. Steve Wall was fifth. Rex Ebel was sixth. And Wyatt Ebel was seventh. Looks like... Um, Rob and his kids came out again. I think they're from the Fort Dodge area. They seem to have some fun. Did you ever wager four wheel drive? No, I should, mm. but I'm My, too. Mine weighs, yeah, mine weighs seventeen fifty. I don't know if that's good or not. I think that's kind of heavy. Anyway. Is it? I think so. Because yeah, like seventeen fifty with tires on it. I've seen Tom's car on the scale, and it's like at fifteen something something. It's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, but <laughs> I, I like did all this stuff. Well, I think there's some other stuff I can do here. To try okay. to Pro four. Um, I think this, this class is filled with, it's not your traditional pro four anymore. Like um, Friday night pro four is slashes and, and Arma sentons. I think that's all there is. Yeah. People that moved out of Plexpec and still want to race their Plexpec car. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Steve Wall, uh, Diego was second. Mario Quintana was third. Once again, the, the kid beating the dad. Uh, Joshua Rothfuss was fourth. Jesse uh, Ellithorpe was fifth. Levi Rothfuss, I hope I'm not killing that last name, was sixth. And uh, Jonas Talberg was seventh. And Colin Ullman, Collins Ullman was eighth. We had eight in Pro 4 on, on, on Friday. That was pretty, that's pretty, pretty cool. And then the last race of the night was you, Aiden, Ronnie, Jesse, and it looks like Bryson didn't run. And uh, you edged out Aiden Olsen by three hundredths of a second. How did that happen? Well, his car, he, he was faster than I was. On the last lap, like him and I got around him, he made a mistake, and I got around him. And I mean, I was right there for the whole race. Yeah. But he made a mistake, and I got around him. And then he was, like, right on me. And I even said, like, I'm going to old man this kid to death and just, like, make my car as wide as possible and not make any mistakes. And um, he passed me somewhere. I think, I don't know. I don't know where he passed me at, but he got around me. 
And um, on the last lap, there's like that hip corner, like uh-huh. the like on the left side of the driver's stand. Well, he jumped it and he jumped into the bowl, like into the lower part of it, like yep. everybody does every once in a while. Yeah. And um, he he waited and then he let me go. I was like, ah, and so I went. And then um, we raced it out for the last uh, rest of the lap. I was like, you could have just like got in front of me, like yeah, like been where you were, you know. Like eh. he didn't want to. I was like, oh, okay, okay. So yeah, I mean, he he probably would have won if that didn't happen. But still, a good race though. How was the track on Friday? Oh, it was I, a good race. Yeah, yeah. He he raced me really good. I worked on the track um, a little bit. Um, I put a bunch of dry dirt in some of the condensation drippy spots to try to clean mm-hmm. him up a little bit. I had Trevor go out there and use the tamper on him. Yeah. Did, did that make uh, a I difference? thought the track was pretty good. Okay. I, I didn't see any issue with it. Uh, I mean, it is, it is Friday night, you know, you have to remember that. Isn't it crazy how, how different the track is in the wintertime though? Yeah. I, I forgot what it was like. Mm-hmm. I mean, you almost don't have to water it for a couple of days because it waters itself. Until the doors get open. Right, up. yeah. Well, the the thing I notice is, like, the high spots all get really dry. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, almost like you almost just have to go and water all of the high spots. Oh, I was weighing my batteries. So I have a, a, a Reedy S, S, uh, G3 Zapper 6100. I have a Reedy uh, SG2 5800. And I have a uh, Reedy SG3 4800. And uh, one would think that the 6100 would be, like, the heaviest battery by a lot. So the 6100 weighs 210 grams. Then the 5800 weighs 215 grams. And the 48 weighs 206 grams. So this is the be- the forty eight hundred was what I had in my four wheel. Uh-huh. There's only like a two gram difference between that and the sixty one hundred. And my older battery, this is the one I had in my two wheel. The fifty eight is actually the heaviest. Yeah. This is my old my old. This is the one that came out of my two wheel or the one that I had been running for a while. And I just ran the sixty one hundred on Friday, but I hadn't uh, weighed it yet. I so I always like to weigh them. Yeah. And see what the difference is. So what are you gonna do? Are you gonna put that one in there? Or are you gonna Use the heavier one. I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put the 6100 in it in my four wheel. Okay. I I mean I think I mean that's a, like Spencer and those guys run. Yeah, that's true. Um, I I may run it with a lighter battery. I have I have some those really super thin batteries that are the 4100s. Uh, um, but I mean that's only like what 700 milliamps different from what I had before. Yeah. So I could just charge it on a high voltage setting and run it. Because that's what I did all last summer series. Yeah. Last time I ran four-wheel drive, I just charged it all the way up, and it lasted eight minutes. So maybe that maybe that's the key. Maybe I need to just put a light battery in my car because I bet that's quite a bit. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk about the oval race we had this weekend. So we had our – Yeah, me too. Our winter oval series, number one, November 1st, and – we had 79 entries. That's the highest entry count we've had for dirt oval in a while. I think last year, I think last year we didn't get over 60. So that's, that's really good. 
Here's here's the class listing. I'm looking at the live RC thing. There's nine classes in uh, in Dirt Oval, in A mains. There was a group that wanted to run modified short course, and then a group that wanted to run thirteen five uh, SC short course uh, late model. Yeah. So you had a thirteen five short course mod A main. Well, at least seven seven entries in the main. I guess I didn't look at if there was a lower main or not. Uh, but Alex Keenan took that one with Trevor Zelazny, Zelazny, uh, our guy, uh, Friday mm-hmm. Night Race Director, finishing second. Uh, Greg Hart finished third. Shane Nielsen finished fourth. Landon Pasker fifth. And Gage Derry sixth. Brian Hart finished seventh. It looks like he didn't finish or did not start. Robert. Yeah. Street stock, A main. Looks like a Dalton uh, Hawbaker finished first. Brian Bailey second. Leroy Himes third. Steve Foster fourth. John Peterson fifth. Hannah Himes sixth. Shane Nielsen seventh. And Jared Bailey was eighth. I know they had an A and B main in this class. Street stock's really cool, but it's it's kind of supposed to be a beginner class, if I remember right. So, like... J Concepts has that really cool body and, and shock towers for the B6. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't want to build one. Because I'd feel I, I would feel like a butthole. It's supposed to be a beginner class. Dude, there's that time you raced street stock and I like beat the crap out of you at the borrowed car. So. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, I do. Oh, Did now I, we're talking I had 1659 a, with this thin battery. There you go. I had a borrowed okay. car too. That's yeah. the same race. Uh, okay, uh, so SC modified. So there's it looks like there was five guys that raced with mods in their cars. So Mike Pruitt finished first, and I took some video of, of these guys, and his his truck definitely looked the best out of all of them. Um, Adam Derry was second. Adam Ayers Ayers was third. Brian Bryson Ramey, who races carpet off road as well, finished fourth, and Scott Lutz was fifth. You know the cool thing about Dirt Oval is they do their they do their mains by laps. They don't do it by time. So uh, it looks like the it was 40 laps in this one uh, for Mike Pruitt, and he did it in like four minutes. So 360 sprint, I believe this was the largest class of the day. And, yeah, they had a C main. So we'll move on to 410 sprint. We'll come back to that one. So in 410 sprint, these are your mod guys. And these guys did a 50-lap main event. Craig Moline, uh, who I would – I. I kind of want to say always wins sometimes. Uh, so he finished first. He didn't qualify first, though. He got he got beat. They do a fast four to set the grid, and he got beat by Jamie mm-hmm. Barker, but Jamie Barker finished second in the main. And then it was Brian Erb third, uh, Gooch, which is... Um, Darren Ryder. Darren Ryder. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I love Gooch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, was fourth. Phil Beardshire was fifth. Uh, Mike Lafferty was sixth, and Craig Ferguson seventh. And Caleb uh, Rennes was eighth. And these guys did fifty laps in three minutes and thirty-two seconds. Pretty quick. Pretty quick. And then Mud Boss. So Mud Boss is a Traxxas slash converted into a like a like a modified, mm-hmm. and they call it Mud Boss, which is which is classic dirt oval, if you ask me. Yeah, a ding dang do. 
John Peterson. So these guys did 30 laps. So John Peterson won this one. Steve Foster was second. Rod Clark, uh, one of the guys from uh, Grand Island, finished third. Jeff Tadlock finished fourth. Jared Tadlock, his kiddo, uh, finished fifth. And uh, Casey McAtee finished sixth. And they did 30 laps in three minutes and 18 seconds. So the trend here, it looks to me, is that is that these races only last about three minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, late model, A main was uh, Darren Ryder taking this one over Craig Moline. Uh, Mike Pruitt finished third. Adam Ayers finished fourth. Brad Peters was fifth, and Trevor Zelazny was sixth, and Bryson Ramey was seventh. So it looks like that there was seven total cars. It looks like only six ran the main. And then B mod. And B-Mods are basically, aren't they just two-wheel drive cars turned into to modifieds? Is that right? I think so. That uh, sounds right. Yeah, I think I so. Think so. Uh, so these guys did 50 laps, and it was Phil Palmer taking the win in this one. Oh, nice. 50 laps in four minutes and three seconds. Uh, Derek Sprague was second. Brian Bailey was third. Wyatt Sprague was fourth. Dalton Hallbreaker was fifth. Rod Clark, sixth. Christopher Pinkney was seventh. Walter Clark was eighth, and Logan Geiger finished ninth, but again, another non-starter, so it looks like there was just eight cars. I remember one time racing carpet, like, uh, in practice in the morning, like, I'd just gotten there as my first battery, and uh, Phil Palmer wrecked in the straightaway, and I totally, like, clobbered his car, and it, like, exploded everywhere. I felt so bad, like, because he even yelled it out, and, like, I was already on the straightaway, Yeah. and I run, like, a 5.5 with timing in my two-wheel. And, uh, yeah, just totally, and I was like, dude, let me know, like, whatever you need. Like, I'll, I'll take parts off my car. I feel so bad. Yeah. Anyway, oh, I do remember that. Story. I remember that. Yeah. Craig Moline in 360 sprint. So Craig Moline did six So these guys did 60 laps. So that's how you know that this is the biggest class and, uh, and one of the up there classes. Um, it's 13, five sprint car is basically what this is. So 410 is modified. You can do whatever you want. 360 sprint these guys have a control tire and a uh, um, 13.5 motor we changed from these duratrax tires to these proline tires uh this year the um proline chain link fronts and i can't remember what they call them in the back but they're basically a dirt they look like hoosiers right yeah yeah exactly and okay. uh i think that we did that because now that proline's owned by uh horizon hobby uh i think that was just something that we well, not we, but uh, Tim decided to do. So looks like it uh, was successful. Everybody seemed to be pretty chill with their cars. So Craig Moline won this one. Brian Erb finished second. Brian Erb used to race off-road, and he's kind of found his his spot in Dirt Oval, it looks like. Jamie Barker finished third. Jamie's from the Kansas City area. Uh, that was one thing I noticed about about Dirt Oval this week. Not only did we have a big turnout, but there was people from all over the place, like, like eastern Iowa, Kansas City, Grand Island, uh, Omaha, Lincoln, um, it was, it was really cool. It was kind of a regional, uh, dirt oval event and everybody seemed to like the track. So that's good. That's good. Uh, Phil Beardshire finished fourth, Mike Archer fifth, Derek Sprague was sixth, Craig Ferguson was seventh and Rod Johnson, uh, finished eighth in the A main. So hmm. kind of cool to see Rod Johnson making the main there. And then again, they did yeah. 60 laps in four minutes and 33 seconds. It's just, it was nice to see. Uh, you never know what to expect. You know, I live five minutes away and when I come down uh, highway one thirty three, and I can see the Plex at a certain point and I, and I look over there in the morning and sometimes I'm running late. <laughs> so I'm like, crap, I hope yeah. nobody's there. And Sunday morning I looked over and the parking lot was full 
like all the way up front. And I'm like, oh, crap. I better get there. Better hurry up. So that's that. Uh, it was nice to see the work that I put into the Dirt Oval. It was for good use. Like, that's yeah, the thing. Definitely. The challenge is because the next, the, the techno series takes place in two weeks and all the doors will be open for that one so that we can breathe. So the track's going to dry out, which means the dirt oval is going to dry out. So the, the challenge is to make the track that good every time we race dirt oval. Yeah, that'd be sweet. A good dirt oval is good. Yeah. It looked really good. I took some video and uh, uh, the 410 sprints were doing like wheelies and stuff. Yeah, wheelies are good. So they, it, it was all spec tire? Like, no. No matter what? Or? Uh, 360 sprint is spec tire and... I think thirteen five short course might be spec tire, but everybody else can run. Everybody what they else, run. Can, yeah, run what you want. Here's I'm pretty uninformed when it comes to dirt oval, quite honestly, because the rules change. I'd be interested to see what the open tire guys ran, like if they ran silver compound or gold compound. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, Craig was running uh, Proline uh, primes, probably, oh, probably okay. in gold or maybe even their S three. I guess three. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I didn't look around that much. I was, cause we were really busy on Sunday. So I had to kind of sneak down there when I could to get video. And I kind of, kind of wandered around the pits a little bit. I kind of feel bad. I'm sort of uninformed about the dirt oval scene. Um, when, when a change happens and we get all these phone calls, I'm like, ah, I don't know. Call Tim. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I have no idea. Just stop asking me. Yeah. I just I just work on the track. I don't know anything about the anything else. But I need I need to get mm-hmm. more up to speed on it. You know. I have my sprint car, and uh, it just I I'd, I'd like to know what to run in it because I'm gonna run like op- like the mod class. Like yeah. I'm gonna run 360 or nothing. I bet you I bet you silvers would have been fine. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Oh yeah. Do you have one? We don't have a lot of questions, but one question that did come in is from Ken Woodson. Hmm. And he wants to know, what are some basic upgrades I can do to his Traxxas Rustler? One of the best upgrades you can do to any Traxxas car is one is an upgrade that isn't flashy or blingy, and most people probably won't even notice it, but it is the STRC captured hinge pins. Hmm. That is like on my, li- on my list of, of, it has to be number one or number two of upgrades you can do to your Rustler. It's like fifteen ninety nine, and instead of having the hinge pins that screw into the arm, so that every time, and it usually happens on the front right and the back left, and every time that it goes up and down as your car gets dirty, it uh, it basically the hinge pins will unscrew themselves. Oh really? Yeah. So if you get the captured hinge pins that that go all the way through and then have a nut on the other side, then you don't have that effect, and you never have to worry about breaking an arm because your hinge pin came out. No, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, mine mine was gonna be a, a better servo and yeah. eliminate the servo saver. That was gonna be mine. Like if you get a good heavy duty servo with metal gears and stuff, mm-hmm. and you just put a solid arm on it. Yep. Without without the servo saver, it'd make your car a lot more direct feeling and easier to drive. That EcoPower One Ten that we sell for forty bucks is a really good upgrade servo. Yeah. That was going to be mine. And I don't even, I, cause see, does Traxxas do that thing now where you have to use their servo with their receiver? No. So, oh, they don't do thank, that? Okay. Thank goodness. So, that would suck. Yeah. No. Yeah. There was a company that was doing that. And I can't remember who it was. Cause we ran into that with the, 
Harlan's servos. Oh. The, yeah, we ran into that with those. Yeah, I would do a servo, definitely. Yep, servo's a good one. Uh, what I tend to tell people is uh, upgrade that when you break it. Because then you're mm-hmm. going to have it apart anyways. So you might as well just yeah. get the better one. Oh, definitely. And then, uh, you know, uh, when I had Emerson's Rustler back in the day, um, I didn't feel like fixing stuff all the time, so we got the aluminum spindles and hubs. But you don't really, I mean, they break, but it's not a huge deal when you do break those. The shocks, uh, getting the metal shocks is a pretty nice upgrade. A, they're smoother, but also then you don't break caps off or you don't have to worry about the caps coming off from the body and then dousing your truck in, in shock oil. Yeah. That's another good upgrade. Mm-hmm. But that, that, that'd that be what I'd say. I'd, those are three really good choices for upgrades there. Yeah. How much do you want to spend, buddy? Yeah. You, you can do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Crazy Did you see uh, th- something I just uh, showed on LiveRC today was that Traxxas is now going to sell uh, pro-built uh, replacements, uh, entire transmissions, and diffs. I saw that. Yeah. So That's a pretty good idea. People have been doing that on eBay for years. Well, they'll take a Rustler, or not a Rustler, they'll take like a Revo, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll strip down the whole thing, like take off the front clip, the rear clip, the transmission, and they'll sell all that stuff individually, and it go for way more than what the truck would actually sell for if you sold it whole yeah. as an RTR. And I always get we always would get people coming in and being like, "Yeah, I need a transmission for my Revo," and I'd be like, "Well, they don't really sell a whole transmission; you got to get all the pieces." And they're like, "What? Say what?" Yeah. And then yeah. you'd have to get ever, all the pieces and add it up for them and show them. And then a lot of times they'd be like, "Well, I could find one of those on eBay," and I'm like, "I know, I to- I know you can, but Traxxas doesn't sell them that way." Well, now they do. So there you go. Yeah. That's going to be great. We're going to get those guys in. They're going to be like. I need a transmission for my JTO, and I'll be like, "All right, here you go, sir. It's in the bag." Uh, isn't it JOTO? Yeah, JOTO. <laughs> We've gone down that road before. JOTO thirty-three. <laughs> I haven't heard any good ones lately. Yeah. To be honest with you, the my the last experience I had driving in the South, I thought for sure that I would hear some good some good mispronunciations of stuff. But I didn't. Everybody at the track was normal. Myrtle Beach, not so much. It was normal. But at the track, everybody was normal. So, probably probably my favorite is when uh, uh, some somebody like is new and they call J Concepts stuff JC Concepts. Yeah. Or they call it Concepts. I need that Concepts stuff. You guys have that concept. That's probably my favorite. That's, that's probably the most common, I think, for me anyway, being in the track all the time. But. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, the last time that, well, not the last time, but Gretchen and I used to travel a lot together. And then once we got married, that pretty much came to a stop. She didn't have to do that anymore. Do you want to hear my uh, my funny uh, ticket story I got in Auburn, Nebraska, on my way to a Pearl Jam oh, concert? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll end the show on this one. So... It was 2000. So Gretchen and I met in July of 2000. And then uh, I got free tickets to Pearl Jam in Kansas City for the bi- binaural uh, album concert, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, we're going down there. And uh, I borrowed my mom's car. And uh, I got a lead foot, as I've spoken on here before. And, uh, and we're driving. And I decided that I was going to show Gretchen 
the the place that I lived when I lived in Kansas for nine months in Valley Falls, Kansas. So instead of taking the interstate to Kansas City, we took Highway 75 to Kansas City. Okay, and we were going to stop in on in Valley Falls, just north of Topeka, Kansas, and then take the turnpike to Kansas City and all this other stuff. Yeah. So we're heading down there, and mm-hmm. I'm doing 86 miles an hour on Highway 75, yeah. and we're going over this hill, and I see this truck, and behind this truck are two state troopers back-to-back, right? Mm-hmm. And I go right by him, and I'm like, oh, crap. And sure enough, one of them turns around, and they pull us over. And I'm wearing this hat. I used to wear these... This I don't wear hats anymore, but I used to wear this hat that was all the way around, like um, uh, Gilligan. Was it Gilligan <laughs> that had the hat? Yeah, I used to wear those, like the those uh, like the Billabong hats yeah. or whatever. Yes, yes. Yeah. Remember those? Uh, so I was wearing yeah, that, and it was uh, it was a hat that I had actually a bunch of signatures from the Norkanats um, on uh, when they were in Pleasant Hill, I think that year. So I was still wearing that hat. Yeah. All right, so I get pulled over, and uh, and Gretchen's like, oh, my God, how fast were you going? I was like, 86 miles an hour, and the speed limit's 55. So the cop comes mm-hmm. over, and uh, and I start to – I'm wiggling around. I'm trying to get my wallet out, and I open up my thing, and I look, and I don't have my driver's license. I have a different person's driver's license. Because Again? Another time? No, this is that story. Remember, have I told you this before? Yeah. So, so this is that story where, where I open it up and there's, there's another person's driver's license. Okay. And it's, go ahead. Sorry. And it's from, uh, the night before we were at big John's billiards and you got to give your driver's license to get the balls. And they had given me the wrong driver's license back. Hmm. And I didn't, I didn't notice it. I wasn't paying attention and I stuck it in my, my wallet and went on my way. And so here I'm getting pulled over and I'm, and I, and I'm looking at this cop. And I'm like, uh, so, and I'm honest about it. I'm like, I have this guy's license, but it's not my driver's license. I tried to explain the story to him and he's totally confused. And then he wants the registration and the registration has my mom's name on it and not my name. Yeah. And so this thing's headed south really fast. So, uh, so he asked me to get out of the car and he takes me to the squad car squad car, patrol mm-hmm. car, whatever. And I, I've never sat in, in a patrol car before, but I'm in the front seat and he goes, all right, explain to me again how you got this man's pants. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I, and I sat there and I was like, what? I didn't say I had this guy's pants. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if he was trying to trap me from telling, to tell a lie or, you know, like testing me. Or if he really thought that what I was telling him was that I got the guy's pants instead of the guy's license. And then you're like, well, it's a funny story. Yeah. So then I hear, I hear over the, the radio, uh, a comeback for, a what I assume is a missing person, uh, mm-hmm. comeback negative or whatever like that. And I'm sitting there going, Oh, was that for me? And he's like, he's like, I don't know, maybe I'm like, okay, well, whatever. So it's really weird inside this car. So he clears, he clear, <laughs> yeah. I, I tell him how it's my mom's car. 
It doesn't match my last name because she changed her name again. They tried to see if you murdered somebody. Yeah. And took yes. Like, yes. That's exactly what it was. Pants. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I had to explain why the registration isn't the same last name as mine. I'm like, my mom remarried. Her name is Mackenzie, not Sturgeon anymore. It's her car. She's let me borrow it. We're going to Kansas City, blah, blah, blah. This cop's like, uh, I remember this cop being pretty stereotypical cop he was like i've never been to a concert i don't see why you would want to go to one of those and i'm like you're like you're like do you know who eddie vetter is i'm like <laughs> yeah exactly he was like serious about it like like i would never spend money to go to a concert i don't see the point i'm like whoa dude you need some happiness in your life man like seriously well, so you showed me. let's go home yeah exactly <laughs> so the last thing that i so he clears me he's he's he gives me the ticket and it's for a whopping amount of money too and uh, I ended up taking a stop class in Nebraska City instead of paying the thing. I still had to pay a large amount of money, but at least I didn't have to have it on my record or whatever. Anyways, so the last thing I say to this cop, I go, I go, man, that's a pretty cool scale. I've, I've got a scale like that. And the thing is, is it's a drug scale. Like it's not like a cop's going to use that scale for, 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 for weighing, you know, Nebraska City crack, not for like not for what I thought I, I was thinking fishing. Right. And so he looks yeah. at me and he says, well, what kind of scale, what do you use your scale for? And then I'm sitting there and I'm going, well, Oh, uh, fishing dude. I like to fish. And he's like, Oh, okay. And then he let me go. So I was just in a bad spot all the way to down. So when we were driving down to beach RC that I had you to tell, just keep making it worse, dude, it was terrible. <laughs> I had to tell that story to Emerson and, uh, he didn't find it entertaining at all because he's 14. Yeah, didn't Los Losey got rated uh, one time in the 90s because they had so many uh, gram scales for weighing uh, the material before they put it in the mold. Really? For making parts. They got, yeah, they had so so much like what would be paraphernalia, like scales and stuff that they were ordering and whatever. Weren't and they, they in? Uh, the, the, the DEA rated them. Weren't they in not a great part of pasadena as well i i have no idea i uh jamie told me that story and then i heard it again from gil oh that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty funny well yeah there you go i got that story in there's a funny ending to funny ending to that story actually but what is it well no okay so i took that stop class right so i had to go all the way down to nebraska to take the stop class stop classes you don't do mm -hmm. anything but but nod your head and go yes 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 there's no test or anything like that. You just have mm -hmm. to endure eight hours of basically nothingness. I had to take one in Lincoln once too because I got I got caught speeding on Vine Street. Uh, so I go down there. The one I had had a test. Did it? Oh man, maybe there was. Yeah. Anyways, I ended up. I think I spent the whole day like drawing something. All right. So anyways, so I'm I'm driving back then. I had an S10, a little white S10 pickup, five speed, no radio, no heat. It was just crappy, but it was mine. It was all paid for, and. Uh, we get out of this stop class and all these people are trying to drive back to Omaha. It was pretty clear that most of them were from, from Douglas County or Sarpy County and mm -hmm. run highway 75. And this was before it was expanded. So it was only two lane and everybody's going really yeah. slow, really, really slow. Like, like either at or just under the speed <laughs> limit. And I'm behind like six of them and I'm starting to get pissed off about it. And so finally we come over the crest of this hill and I can see in front of me clear, light on the you know the other side and nobody wanted to pass anybody and i was like well you guys all 
suck. We're not going to get pulled over again. So I put my truck into fifth gear. And I come out in the lane. And I pass all these people that just got done taking a stop class for speeding at like 90 miles an hour uh, back to Omaha. And, and I pull back over and then I stick my hand out the window and I gave everybody the finger and I went, <laughs> I went home. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it was great. Uh, I think you, you told that story before on the podcast. But oh, did I? Oh, man. I think so. Oh, well. I know I've heard it uh, before, and it was fairly recent. It is a funny story. Like it's fine. Like I've had a lot of funny stuff happen to me, and it doesn't seem some of it's. I can't. I don't want to bring on the podcast because some of it's. It's funny. It'd be a good comedy skit if I could make it funny. Well, Emerson and I will be there Friday, so it'll be game on if you're there. Yeah, we'll see. I thought about racing on Saturday, but yeah, I might just race Friday. Yeah, I'm excited. I got a new layout, so I'm okay. excited to put a new layout down. Yeah, but you're not racing, are you? Uh, stadium truck. Nah. On Saturday. Nah. All right. Yeah. Not, I don't know. Not I might race both. We'll just see. stadium truck. I would like to race, uh, uh, get another club race on my four wheel for dirt because yep. the following weekend I'm going to Kansas City. So. Yep. And then you can talk about that on the podcast here, and I'll listen. Yeah. Hopefully, that'd be hopefully. cool. Yeah. Hopefully, I have something to talk about. Oh, I'm sure you will. Top three. Two. I'm calling it yeah, now. It'll be sweet to do top top three. Top three in the invite thing. Yeah, top three. I'm calling it now. That'd be neat if I finish right behind uh, Alex and uh, Tom. Yep. Because I'm sure they're going to be. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like I just assume they're going to beat me. <laughs> 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 they are. So. <laughs> All right. Well, don't forget this show is always sponsored by Pivot Lending Group, and uh, you can find them at pivotlending.com. Uh, you can ask for Don Zoller, or. Uh, if you want to be funny about it, you can always ask for Aiden Olson's dad. Aiden Olson's dad. Mention our show. Get a home loan or refinance. It's $500 lender credit towards your closing costs or 0.125 off of your rate. That's how we roll here at I the Hobbyplex show. I think that 0.125 would be the better one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, is there an after hour show? Yeah, we're going to do after hours again too. See, uh, it's my first day back in two weeks. I always forget stuff. Uh, so yeah, after hours. Yeah, uh, getting back in the swing of things. I know. We had a good after-hour show on on Thursday, uh, Thursdays at 9 p.m. You can check out uh, the Hobbyplex show after-hours live stream where uh, I basically just sit around and fiddle with my cars for an hour and a half, and uh, you can ask me questions. All right, for real this time, we got to go. We'll see see you later. later. Yep.